thanks again for joining us this morning. Uh, do have a special announcement that you should all be aware of. Likely you have not heard that Pastor Greg's father, Porter Paris, passed away uh, late this week, uh, residing in Lafayette, Indiana. Of course, that's a little bit of a, a distance from here. Uh, Greg and Beth were up there on Wednesday and Thursday and made their way back. And of course, the, the end of this week, we're trying to decide what should we do with the weather? What should we do with uh, him preaching this weekend, preaching that service tomorrow morning? Um, and so we want you to, to pray for the Paris family. Uh, they are, are gathering to celebrate a life well lived, uh, but an unexpected uh, situation. And so pray for the Parises tomorrow and as they all journey together to Lafayette. Of course, that leaves us in a moment here uh, this morning as we continue our stewardship series. And so our team gathered and said, what should we do? And so we're going to bring you another segment of the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace video. These are different from the class that will start next week. And so, again, we want to also mention that, that you can still get registered for the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class, which starts next Sunday. You can go on our website and get that information. So we're going to collect the offering. You'll see a great bucket this direction. It's underneath the end, end chair there by the aisle. So if you'll locate that, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll uh, receive the offering. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place. We thank you that you are good no matter what our situation looks like. No matter what our circumstance, what we're leaning into right now, what's messing with us, you are good and you are faithful. And so God, I pray that as we give this morning that you would open our hearts, help us to open our hands, to give generously, to give freely. And as we hear this instruction today about the gospel and the way you call us to live an open-handed, generous life, I pray you would open our hearts and speak to each and every one of us. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll pass that great bucket this direction, again, your connection card can go in there. Also mention the sermon notes are in your bulletin for this message. Let's check it out. Thanks. Somewhere around the third or fourth grade, you and I learned to do math word problems. And they would say things like, if you had $1,000 and you gave away $100, how much would you have left? And we all learned $900. In other words, we started with 1,000, and after giving away 100, we only have 900. 900, where I come from, is less than 1,000. Are you with me so far? The problem with that is, although it's mathematically true, when you deal with the subject of generosity and giving, it sets up mythology in your head and you make one of the biggest mistakes with money you can ever make. Because you fall prey to the idea, and I did it too because I'm a math nerd. I fall prey to the idea that when I give money away, I end up with less. Because that's what we were all taught. And again, it's mathematically true in that particular moment. It's not true over the scope of your life. And it's not true for those of us that walk with Jesus and love him. It's not true because 
Giving is the lifeblood of the believer. Generosity is necessary for the lifeblood of the believer, for our hearts to beat. And it changes our lives and it transforms us. And literally, literally, the, the misunderstanding is, is that by giving I end up with less and the net result is that by giving I end up with more. Now, it's not necessary. Yes, it's more joy. Yes, it's more blessings. Yes, but most of the time, and I'll walk you through this, not in some kind of mystical prosperity kind of way, but, but most of the time you do end up with more money. And here's how that works. Let me help you with that. I'm, I'm going to walk you through a bunch of this because it, it's very, very practical. When you have a clenched fist, that is the international sign of anger. You can travel the world and anywhere in the world you do this, they get it. I'm from the redneck end of Tennessee. You do this, you better swing it. <laughs> anywhere in the world we get this. We know what this means. Even a dog understands this. It's an indication of our spirit. Closed, open. Closed. The money won't get away, but no more can get in. Open. Some of it might leave, but more can come in. Simple concept, but it's an indication of our spirit and it affects the mathematics, says the math nerd. It affects the mathematics. I need a little bit of help this morning. Let me uh, scarf up a couple of guys because i got to have some bodies up here to help me. I promise I'm not going to make fun of you or do anything mean to you or anything. But can, would you help me, sir? And sir, would you help me? Thanks. Y'all come up here with me right quick. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so I, I want to set this up for a minute because this is, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And so it took me a little while to get this stuff down. What's your name, sir? Dustin. Dustin, good to meet you. What's your name, sir? Ron. Ron, good to meet you, sir. Thank you. Ron is going to represent uh, you and I, okay? You and I work really hard, and we save up $1,000. Do you know how hard it is to get $1,000 in today's current tax code? <laughs> Take home pay, right? And we fed the kids, and we still got $1,000. Is that hard to say yes? So Ron is, represents you and I. We have saved up $1,000, finally. Now, Ron, this is $1,000. This is my most expensive visual aid. <laughs> my wife says I can come home, but not without the visual aid. Got okay. it? Okay. okay, hold on to that. So Ron has got, you and I have got $1,000. And what we would do is we would go to Dustin's bank. You're not a banker, are you? Good, okay. Because, you know, you don't want to make fun of the wrong people. I mean, I'm not making fun of you, but you don't want to put, oh, no, it would be bad. So, uh, so Dustin's going to be our banker. He owns a banker. He runs the bank. He's the branch manager of the bank. And, and you and I go down, and we make a deposit into the bank. Now, I know it's been fun holding my money, but it's your money for this. So you can make a deposit in Dustin's bank. Now, that would be now. Yeah, may, yeah good. Okay. Now, so he, he made a deposit in Dustin's. Now, watch that banker, y'all, because you know how that is, right? I mean, y'all read the news, right? So keep an eye on him for me. Then Dustin, hold on to that. So, so now Dustin's, D Dustin's got my money. He's got Ron's money in his bank. 
Now, Ron, are you married? Yes. And is that your wife sitting right down there? Yes. Beautiful lady. You did well. All right. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I punted your coverage, didn't you? So, um, yeah, me too, man. That's a good man. Uh, so, his wife, now I got to help you ladies with something. I've been married 30 plus years. Let me help you with this. Men do not understand China. We do not understand expensive plates that we never eat on. <laughs> Men do not grasp this. A and we really don't understand $2,500 cabinets to put the plates in <laughs> that we're not going to eat on. It's just, we don't get it. But if you've been married a little while, you don't necessarily have to get it, but you just got to get it. You know what I'm saying? And so Ron's wife says, honey, we, we need a China cabinet for the China. Go down to the bank and get our money out. So Ron goes down to the bank and he goes up to the teller and says, fills out the deposit slip. I want my money out of here. And the teller gets like deer in the headlights look and says, oh, no. You're that Ron. Did I do something wrong? No. Dustin wants to see you in his office. Now, Dustin would never really do this. He's on the front row in church. He's a good guy, Okay. So this is an example. Please don't pick on him later. Because um, he didn't know I was going to do this to him. But he, So Ron goes into Dustin's office, and Dustin says, Oh, no, you're here. Yeah, I'm here. What's up? He said, Well, I, I got to tell you, we needed, my wife and I, we needed some stuff. How many of y'all ever needed some stuff? I needed a new car. I needed some new clothes. I needed to go on a cruise. My sea needed a sister. How many of y'all are needed? I like stuff. My name is Dave, and I like stuff. Hi, Dave. Y'all are my support group. So we took some of your money, and we went on a cruise. Do what? You took my money, and you went on a cruise? Do what? Now, I don't know about y'all, but it take me about... As soon as I figure out this character stole my money, as hard as it is to get $1,000, I mean, I, I'd lose my religion right there. In Tennessee, we call that having a duck fit. I want my money. I want my money now. You mean you stole my money? You, you needed a cruise. Well, I'm going to choke you. How would you feel? If you trusted your money to someone to manage it for you and they mishandled it, how would you feel? That's how I would feel. Now let's change their names for a minute. You're going to get a promotion. You ready? <laughs> this position doesn't actually represent you and I. I tricked you. This position represents God. This position doesn't represent a banker. This position represents you and I. God owns it all. You and I are managers. How are we doing? Ouch. I got a single mom. Dave, she needs you to pay her light bill. Uh, God, I just bought a coat. I don't have any extra. Well, did you ask me about that? 
Uh, no. Whose money is it? Uh, yours. Y'all ever have these conversations? We're supposed to be managers. Now, the good news is he does want us to take care of our own family, and he does want you to have some nice things. He's not against nice things. I mean, if we being evil know how to give our kids good gifts, how much more so our Father in heaven? But we have to manage the money like it's not ours because it's not ours. This is deep, y'all. Give these two gentlemen a round of applause. Thank you, gentlemen. Very well done. The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns it all. And if you start all of your money discussions with that, it changes your perception of everything. It changes your perception of debt. It changes your perception of budgeting. It changes your perception of everything. Now, in the Christian world, we call this stewardship. Stewardship, steward, 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 steward. Which is not actually a Christian word, but it's a North American Christian term now. It's actually an old English feudal term. Think of Braveheart, the movie. How many of you saw Braveheart? That's around, that's kind of the feudal economic system that was in place when the King James translators did the first English version of the Bible that we all very much work from in one way or another. So they said, be a good steward, be a good steward, be a good steward. Now here's how the feudal English, feudal economic system worked. There's a guy in the castle, he's the lord of the realm. A realm is about a three-county area. The guy in the next biggest house in the realm, doesn't own anything, but manages all the business affairs of the realm for the lord of the castle, the owner. The guy in that, he manages the crop rotations, he manages the labor and the peasant and the slave labor, he manages uh, the banking affairs, the mercantile affairs, the marketplace affairs. He manages the business of that realm for the owner of the realm, the lord. So King James translators, boom, boom. That guy's title, by the way, is steward. Steward does not mean fundraiser. Stewardship drive does not mean we're going to build a building. Steward is a manager. In today's modern vernacular, it would be an asset manager. You and I are asset managers for God. So when you have a stewardship ministry, it's about teaching people to be asset managers for God. It's not about fundraising. But we've co-opted that word because as soon as the North American Christian hears the word stewardship and they put that scripture up there where there is no vision, the people perish, those of us sitting out there go, oh no, we're going to build a building. Don't we? Because it's co it, the, the word got co-opted and has been, has been twisted. The word stewardship literally means to manage. And it starts from a giving perspective with the basic tithe. A tenth of your income to your local church. The tithe is 10%. When you finish paying your tithe of your income, it says in Deuteronomy 26, give a tenth, a tithe of your increase. A tithe of your increase. What were you increased? And that, that's the baseline for a believer, an evangelical believer that is in their local church. They give a tithe to their local church. That's where we start with the discussion of giving. Now, I struggled with this because I didn't grow up in church, and I didn't understand all these words that we use in church. So I started going to church as an adult and the pastor got up there and he said, you people need to give a tithe. I said, what's a tithe? He said, a tenth. What's a tenth of, a tenth of what? Your income. Where are you wanting me to give this? To our church. I went, right. 
that sounds like a great plan for you. No, that's not how it works, Dave. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. I mean, I, it didn't take me but a minute to understand the vernacular was, I'm getting ready to give 10% of my money to him, and that was his plan. I got the gift of cynicism, y'all, okay? That's how I started. And I had to work up and start to understand and grasp generosity and giving from that low bar, which is a pretty low bar. A squirrel can get over that bar, okay? <laughs> and so the first way I did it was I said, why does God talk so much about giving all through Scripture? And the first thing I thought, I, I'm so silly and you would never do this, but I did it. I said, God needs my money. That's why he wants me to give, because God needs my money. Now, that's really kind of funny if you think about it. This is the great I am. He spoke galaxies into existence. He needs your money. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a little humorous. God needs your money. Listen, darling, if God wants your money, he'll take it, and there'll be a greasy spot where you were sitting. He doesn't need your money. He's already in control. He's not worried about it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. Well, if God doesn't need my money, then maybe the reason God has us all through Scripture to give and give our tithe to our local churches because the church needs our money. And so I, I, I elevated my spiritual walk from that all the way up to I'm a good Christian Boy Scout. I promised to give my tithes to my local church, and I was becoming a young Pharisee. <laughs> all about the rules. Find out what the rules are and keep the rules. I'm the oldest child. I'm a rule keeper. Give me the rules. I'll keep the rules. That's why God has us to give to our local church, because we need to support the work of the local church. The widows and the orphans and the missionaries and the important work of the kingdom of God needs to be supported by the local church, and it's up to me to take care of that. That's why God has us to give. Then I sat in on the church board meeting, and the annual budget was $7 million, which was more than my annual budget. <laughs> so I quickly figured out God didn't have me giving money because the church needed my money. He didn't have me giving money because he needed money. So why does he have me giving money? Years ago, I was holier than I am now. And I did a lot better job getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and reading the Bible or 5 o'clock in the morning reading the Bible. I still do it enough, but I was holier then. Some of you are very, you know, when you're new in the faith, you got to study. you got to learn. And so I spent a bazillion early sunrises and I still I'm still pretty disciplined but a lot of you are a lot holier than me I'll just tell you but one morning about 530 I was sitting there reading the Bible many years ago my son who's a grown man now was five years old at the time the sun is rising five-year-old starts coming down the stairs he's got up too early now you know the five-year-olds when they get up early their hair looks like this right He's five years old. He's got no front teeth, right? He's got his Spider-Man footy pajamas on and the right knees out because he's been sliding into home base, right? And he comes down the stairs dragging his blankie. Cute from now on. But it's 5.30 in the morning. He's interrupting my Bible study. I said, son, you need to go back to bed. You're going to be tired later. You're going to get grouchy. Then you're going to get a beating. You need to go back to bed. So, um... <laughs> All right, Daddy, I'll, I'll go back to bed, but 
can I sit with you just for a few minutes? Why, sure. And this little Spider-Man guy climbs up in my lap. And before I knew it, tears were running down my face. And he said, Daddy, what's, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong? I said, no, baby, you can do anything wrong. I said, I was just reading here, and I've read it a, a, a whole bunch of times. See, I, I got two daughters, and I love my daughters, and I got one boy. And he's sitting in my lap. And, and son, I was just reading here that God gave his only son. I can't get my head around that to this day. He gave his only son. Wow. And you know, the Bible says in Genesis that you and I are made in God's image. When God sat down and knit you it says in Isaiah, in your mother's womb, pull that word knit out in the, in, the, in the Hebrew. It looks more like the word crochet. When God was sitting there with an RNA, DNA double helix and he was making you, and he stepped back and he said, that is good. In that DNA is his image when he made you. And he gave his only son. God has us to give because he wants to make us to look more like his son. He wants us to be Christ-like. He wants to redeem us. He has me to give because his requirement for me to give is a gift to me that causes me to be transformed into a giver which makes me more Christ-like like more of a Christ follower a Christian hard to be a Christ follower when you never give very hard you can't say you're Christ like he laid down his life voluntarily they didn't take it he gave it God created us in his own image. God has us to tithe weekly because it reminds us who owns it. It reminds me that I'm in the banker's role, not the owner's role. When, when, when I give my tithe, it reminds me who's in charge and that I'm a manager. I'm not an owner. It's my financial AA meeting. I go once a week and I give my tithe and it reminds me, because I need to be reminded because I can take ownership. This is my weak spot. That's why God makes me teach it every day. <laughs> Y'all think it's because I'm in charge of this subject. No, it's because I'm like the guy that, I'm a wounded healer. I'm the guy that walks with a limp. God has us to tithe because it's a form of praise and worship. God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful in the Greek is the word helios, where we get our word hilarious. Next time you're giving, just break out in wild laughter. <laughs> God has us to give because it's spiritual warfare. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, he says. 
Now, some people get all freaked out about demons. I'm not freaked out about demons. I read the back of the book. We win. <laughs> Big Jesus, little devil. But there is a demon of water pumps on your car out there right now. It's going ding, 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 ding. And when you tithe, God says he'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, I don't know how you see this, but I see a big, bad, square-shouldered angel with a flaming sword going out there. Drop that sword through the hood and go, come here, little wiggler, get off that car. That's a tither. I don't know how you see it. We'll get to heaven, then we can quit arguing about it, I guess. But that's how I got it. And giving's not about salvation. God doesn't love you more if you tithe. I don't love my kids less. I don't love the dumb ones smarter than the, more than the smart ones. I don't, you know, they misbehave. I don't like their behavior, but I still love them. They can't do anything to cause me to lose, cause me to stop loving them. I want to kill them sometimes, but they can't cause me to stop loving them. I'm sorry you're dead, but I still love you, Brad. Yeah. I mean, that's God, isn't it? We're in his image. And he's not mad at you about this. And he's not waiting to bless you. He's waiting to find somebody he can trust that is a good manager. Because you don't promote people in your company if they're bad managers. And you and I are made in God's image. My wife is a, a runner. She's a health food nut. <clears throat> Drives me crazy puts all this grotesque stuff in a juicer and a blender that should never be put together and creates this toxic nuclear drink. Looks like something out of a monster movie. Steam is coming off of it. And she goes, you want some? I'm like, no. Mm, it make you look like me. That's what scares me. Yeah, no. Mm, um, you'd be skinny like me. I know, I know. But I don't want to be a woman. It's, I don't want to drink that. No. So, oh, ugh, I know. I, I should drink more of them. I obviously need to do better. But... It's nasty. She finishes a drink of that stuff. Y'all probably done this too. I've seen her do it a hundred times. Sets it in the sink and turns on the faucet and walks away. You ever done that with junk in a cup? Do you know if you just let that water run long enough, the clean water will displace the dirty water. And eventually, if you let it run, and she will let it run, she forgets and just walks off. If you just let it run, eventually you will have clean water in there, and you've done nothing but have clean water displace the junk. It's called the, the displacement theory. In my world, anyway, that's what we call it. You see, I've got this weird idea. What if you and I started... because? According to all the studies, two and a half to four and a half percent of evangelical Christians give a tithe at their church. Almost nobody tithes. So they ask me these questions like, do we tithe on the gross or on the net? Doesn't matter. None of you doing it. <laughs> it's a dad blame theory. I tithe on the gross. I could do a Bible study for you on either way. I can show you. Bar none, what the Bible says either way. Tithe on the grocer on the net. I tithe on the big one, so when I get up there, if I'm wrong, I'm still okay. 
So I'm, it, it's that simple for me. Y'all do whatever you want. You just can't mess up giving. And, and so I'm tithing into my local church and we're giving offerings and ministries and other things. And what ends up happening is it changes me. But, but here's the deal. Dallas Willard says in the book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, that Christians are called to enter the marketplace and take sections of the marketplace. We should go into the music business and own it. I went into the talk radio world and I own it. I'm one of the top talk radio shows in North America today. And I'm a Christian and when I'm on that radio station, it means somebody else can't be. That's clean water going in that cup and displacing filth out of that cup. And not because I'm clean, but I'm cleaner than some of them. That's all it is, okay? Because Jesus in me is clean. Y'all got that. I'm not, I'm not bragging on me. But, but the idea being this, what if we thought about money in that way in our giving? In other words, what if the believers in North America got our financial act together, understood we're managing money for God, and it is not only our job to take care of our own household and enjoy some money. It's not only our job to take care of our future. It's not only our job to take care of these different elements of our lives. But it's our job to completely displace all the filth in the culture. And let's use a few billion dollars and do that immediately. What if you and I started giving so much we made the government irrelevant? can vote for that party because it's our job but we got to get control of our money and we got to remember we don't own it God what'd you give me this money for I want you to enjoy some of it son because I love you thank you father I want you to impact this hospital I want this single mom to not have a light bill through the end of the year God, Dave I want I, I want this I want this lady to have a car over here Dave I, I want I want this ministry over here that is transforming lives to be funded for the next year I gave you the gift of managing assets for me and this is what I want you to do with it and you've been faithful in the little things so son I fully am going to give you more to manage that's who I want to be walking in that's who I want me to be when I grow up we can change this culture, folks. But it starts with changing our brains. Because when you give, you don't end up with less. It changes who you are, and who you are is where your income comes from. It's not mystical. You become a generous person. Generous people are brought the good deals. Generous people are given the promotions. Generous, spirited people are who we all want to be around. Nobody wants to be around Mr. Tightfist. Talented people don't want to work for Mrs. Tightfist. Everybody wants to be around Mr. and Mrs. Openhand. Not because they're trying to scarf money off of them, but because we just enjoy being around a person who no matter how important they are, will open the door for you. It's a generous spirit. This is where your income comes from, where your opportunities come from. Jesus wants to transform your heart in this area. He already has transformed a lot of your hearts. A lot of you are doing a great job. I'm singing to the choir. I know that. But I got to tell you, 
we got work to do in this culture. We need to be displacing things with our salt and our light and the money that is not ours. We're just managers. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these people. I ask, Father, that you clear the subject into their mind and that you pour your spirit on it. If I didn't do it right, Lord, that you fix it and that you show them how important culturally this idea of ownership is and cause them to be joyful, generous managers of the things you've given them to manage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't that a good word? Very, very good stuff. Stand up with me for just a moment. I want to ask you to think about a couple questions here as we close out this service here this morning. Because I think that if we understood the way that God wants us to manage and live out our finances and also our lives, that life would look different. I mean, you would probably agree that there's something in what we just heard. There's something in the, the gospel message that, that maybe needs to look different in your life. And so I want to ask you this question. I want every single one of us to think about what would look a little bit different in my life if I lived out the principles that we just heard about of understanding that it's not ours. It all belongs to God and God has entrusted us with, with not only our lives, but the finances and everything that we have. But what if we, we had our hands open instead of clenched? What if we would open our hands and say, God, it is yours, and so you've entrusted me with it and, and allow me to use it for your glory? Well, if that's our lives, our, our money, or, or whatever it may be. Let me ask you this. How would your life look different? What would change? What would change in our church if every one of us believed that we were managers of the resources that God has given us, that we were good stewards to be found faithful of what God has entrusted us with? How would our city look different? How would our world change? If we said right here, we want to start a movement of people who really understand that it all belongs to God, and so let's let it go. Let's manage it faithfully, no matter what it is. I trust and I believe that you heard something powerful, as I did this weekend, in this message, that it all belongs to God and that we are the managers of the resources he has given us. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask right now that we would all open our hands to you. In fact, right now, I just ask and just challenge you, if you want to make a statement of faith right there between you and God, just hold your hands out. Maybe start with them closed and just open them up. Just open them up as a symbol to say, God, what I've held on to, what I have clung to for so long, be it my life, my finances, or whatever, God, I open my hands up to you. And God, thank you that you hear our prayer to be generous people with our lives and everything in them. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, church, here's the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. Go and be blessed. Thanks so much for being here. We hope it was meaningful. See you next week.